we just have to call Thomas Drant's erotica. Thomas Drant's erotica. Of course. Thomas Drant's erotica. Expected goals. Thomas Drant's erotica. Dog model. Thomas Grant's erotica. Regression. Thomas Grant's erotica. Petey. on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Gruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Gruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It's a sultry hour here on the Halford and Gruff Show. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics. I can only do that a little bit. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, baby. Oh, yeah. Let's go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline now. Thomas Drance joins us on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Gentlemen, good morning. Uh, Jason admonished me at the break for my long-winded, lengthy questions. And he said, try and make this mm. the shortest question you've ever asked Drance. And you still have a big lead-up to I it. I haven't started the question yet, <laughs> jerk. The question is, Phil Kessel, talk about. <laughs> Four uh, words. Why, that was not a question. Why did you phrase it like Yoda? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are the Canucks? What, what's what's go, what are the Canucks thinking with Phil Kessel, Dranter? <laughs> Canucks, good they are. Um, go to the playoffs, they will. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just depth. I think it's just a potential option to enhance uh, so, some of the offensive punch that this club could have. I, I mean, I'm pretty confident. That given that he hasn't played all season, given what we saw from Kessel in Vegas last year, you know, it, it's bottom six, it's second power play, and he can help there. I mean, he Canucks have not gotten a lot from their second power play unit. Kessel, you know, had nine points on the power play for Vegas last year and, and wasn't really a fixture on the top unit. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's like a marginal upgrade with zero acquisition cost if he's fit enough, like if he passes the signposts on the way and, and warrants a shot. And and it's um, a shot you can kind of call here, right? Like he's down in Abbotsford. Uh, he'll practice for a bit. You, you get a look, see if he's at a level where you think he can help, where you think he can help, if he can then, you know, you sign him to a league minimum deal as close to the deadline as you can. And, yeah, I mean, it's just another body. I, you know, I, I, my, my issue is you get to this point in the season, March 8th is what now, three weeks away? And you only have so many bullets in your chamber. Like, you only have so many sort of things you can hit here. Um, you know, Canucks have two-plus, ish million to play with um 
yeah, I think there's higher leverage ways to spend that cap space, you know, whether it's bringing in another depth defenseman, ideally a righty, ideally a guy who can move the puck a little bit, um, whether it's a, another forward with some size who can kill penalties. And then, you know, I, I always think the number one thing is, is the rainy day fund. Like you just don't know what's going to happen between now and the deadline and the ability to pivot, you know, if you need to add a goalie and, and if you if you have the cap space to go play in um, the sort of pool where you can bid on a Kevin Lankinen or a, or a Kako Kakinen type thing, like, you know, I, I never, I never don't think about the Jacob Markstrom deal <laughs> when it comes or not the Jacob Markstrom, deal, the Louis Deming deal to, to, give the Canucks some goalie depth when Jacob Markstrom got hurt a week after the Canucks had already bought in 2020, right? Like that to me always looms large here. Um, you know, the, those to me would be higher leverage areas for this team to add in, but bringing in Kessel doesn't necessarily preclude you from doing that. Uh, it's just that it could make it more complicated. So I, I think we'll see, but I think it's just depth that I don't think it's much more than that. Um, despite me giving you a very long-winded answer to a forward question. Uh, Drancer, where would the Canucks be without the third line? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, honestly, I think, first of all, go back 15 games, okay? If we go back 15 games, the Canucks last 15 games, Pedersen has played one minute more than Teddy Bluger at 5-on-5, five five, yeah. right? Um Bluger ranks fourth among Canucks skaters over that time frame in five-on-five ice time logged. Garland, fifth. Dakota Joshua, second. Well, if your line is fourth, fifth, and sixth in ice time logged uh, on the team, you're the second line. Like, very much so the second line. Uh, Now, that's weird because Miller and Pedersen and Besser are the top three, right? And Miller and Besser play on different lines. Um, so it's impossible to think of them as a second line, given that, you know, Miller and Pedersen don't play together and, and play ahead of them. But, um, you know, this is not a second line. This is this team's primary engine going here. Uh, they're Vancouver's most consistent line. And, and even more than that, like we, we, you always say stuff like that, you know, the, the most consistent line is like a moniker you give to a line that you just feel uncomfortable describing as their best line because it doesn't have Pedersen or, or JT Miller on it. But let's be real. It's been their best line. It's been their best line, uh, not just for the last 15 games, but, you know, dating back to like early November, even before the bounces started going in for them. Mm. This has been a line that I think has reliably dictated the pace of games, rested momentum in their favor, uh, controlled play at a level that no other forward line's been close to. Um, they've, I mean, the, that third line is their best forward line, five on five, and, and with a bullet. Can you put into context, maybe using comparisons with other teams, how the current top six is playing? Using comparisons with other teams. You don't have um, to. Just just give us an idea of how the top six is playing because it seems to be the number one concern of the coaching staff, the management, and most of our listeners. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I think the – so let's go to this 15-game segment again. For all that it might be a concern and for all that the Canucks went out and spent assets to upgrade it, so not just an external concern but something the club wanted to address – uh, and, and they've shown us that with their actions. 
you know, for all of that, like with Miller and Pedersen on the ice, five on five last uh, last 15 games, um, clubs outscored their opponents by eight. Right? I mean, that's that's very good. Yeah, that's good. That's, we'll take that's that. Solid. Uh, now their bottom six has outscored their opponents by seven. So uh, over that same time frame with Neil Zaman and, uh, and uh, Teddy Bluger on the ice. So as much as we might sort of look at it and be like, hey, that's fine. You know, that's good. Like this team outscores their opponents and has all season. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest differential really is being driven by that top pair by Hughes Heronic. And the team does just about as well outscoring their opponents over the last segment of games with their bottom six on the ice as they do with their top six on the ice. So, you know, I, I mean, is it a concern? Uh, I mean, for me, the reason it's a concern, gentlemen, is that you look over that stretch and a lot of it is built off the back of shooting efficiency and goaltending as opposed to the level of control that you're getting out of that Bluger line in particular, right? Mm. That, that to me is sort of why it's a concern. It's, and, and I think fans can tell. Like, you can tell the difference between a line that goes out there and tilts the ice the way that Garland line does shift after shift and, and the way that Vancouver's top six is doing it, which is, you know, you get great games. Like, you, you get nuclear games from Besser. I mean, he had a hat trick in that 15-game segment or, or Pedersen or, or Miller, but it's, it's not the same, like, consistent churn, you know? And, and I think that's why there's some concern. You know, there's been changing bodies. It feels like the chemistry outside of the Miller-Besser duo has been kind of tough to find. Um, you know, Niels Hoaglander seems to have found some. I mean, three straight goals, uh, three straight games with a goal is, is a nice start to his top six audition. Maybe that can continue. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's just about finding that sort of baseline level of control that, you know, the top lines in hockey, whether it's the McKinnon line, whether it's, you know, Bennett, Verhage and Kachuk, whether it's uh, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins and, and Hyman, um, you know, you're seeing those lines generate that game after game after game. And, and the Canucks haven't had that level of push with their top players on the ice at even strength or their top forwards on the ice at even strength, excuse me. Um, because they definitely get that push with Hironic and Hughes on the ice, regardless of what forwards they're on the ice with. Right. Um, but you haven't had it for much of the season. So what do you think the Canucks management is working on right now, if you were to guess? Well, I mean, I think it's more about, like, I think it's more about the big picture of what you want to add before the playoffs, right? And And it's a difficult sort of a waiting to go through because if you're going to add another substantive piece, right? If you're, if you're going to add another bigger piece, it requires a subtraction and that's going to be complicated uh, most likely. So, you know, I'm sure because of the way that they do business, right? Because of Rutherford's view um, past, past on Alvin, um, you know, with the usual, like, stay on it, stay on it. Uh, like Rutherford believes, uh, I'm pretty sure, not, I'm not just pretty sure. Rutherford believes that the willingness to be aggressive and to go out and be the team that lands the guy time and time again, even if you're overpaying by 10% um, in the deal to get the player that you think fits right. Like he believes that that's a competitive advantage over the rest of the league. 
it, mm-hmm. it, it's like impatience is philosophy. Yeah. So I'm sure they're keeping tabs on everybody um, and, and doing their due diligence and doing their work and making their calls. Um, you know, but to actually make another big ad to me is complicated. And, and I think, you know, if you were handicapping it, you'd have to say it's like, what, pl- plus 150 if just making additional depth moves with no one added above a salary point of, let's say, three and a half million would be like minus 110, would be the favorite. Um, but you can't count this front office out from taking another big swing. And, you know, uh, I mean, would would you blame them if they looked at it and they were trying to see, like, what's going to shake loose on the right side of the blue line? What's going to shake loose in terms of another top six forward um, and being willing to consider, you know, a, a Ratu or a Pod Colson or, or maybe a 2025 first-round pick or maybe, maybe, although it would have to be for a, for a guy with a, a little more term, um, like a Volander or a LeCaramacchi type, um, like a package built around one of those five assets. I, mm. I mean, I could see that. I don't think that would be like an auto automatic no. I, I don't think they'd view any of that as untouchable necessarily if the right target shook loose. Uh, it's just kind of hard to see them. It's kind of hard to see them viewing it as like a huge net win, yeah. given that you'd have to subtract a Mikheyev or a Zadorov quality guy from the lineup to uh, to accomplish that. Um, what is Mikheyev's? Uh, how hard would it be for, for the Canucks to move Mikheyev right now? I don't think very hard, to be totally honest really? with you. Yeah, I don't. Um, really highly thought of. Like, this is not a guy, you know, we sometimes talk about players who are polarizing in terms of how they're viewed around the league. And, and certainly there are teams that would have some concerns, like that wouldn't view of the way that this organization did when they signed him and, and have for most of his Canucks tenure, where they view him as like a top six guy. Like there's teams that would be like, oh, that's an elite third liner. But teams still like elite third liners, especially when it's only, you know, a couple of years of term remaining after this year. The cap is less than five. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that would be pretty comfortable betting on the idea that the pace you're seeing from him right now is not what you're going to get from him next season. And then there's definitely some teams that just like absolutely love his game, mm-hmm. uh, the size, the defensive reliability, um, and then the potential that, you know, what, what we're seeing this year is like a lull year post ACL, which is, you know, conventional wisdom these days. Predictable. Frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Pr- totally predictable. So, you know, when a guy's struggles are like according to plan and not, not that, you know, McKay of struggling was according to plan, but if you really thought about what our expectations should be for him this season, you know, going through like a stretch of games like this isn't unusual, you know, isn't even a surprise. Um, so yeah, I think he'd have value. I just, I don't know how much value he'd have to like a win now team. I think it would be more a, a team with their eye on like, and next season, you know, he's going to be a big, you know, piece for us uh, when that speed returns. So, um, you know, I, I still think you'd have options. I still think you'd have marketability. I don't think that's a negative value contract on the Canucks books. Um, how front burner for the Canucks would Dakota Joshua's pending UFA status be? Red, that's a really interesting question. Um, the problem, like the problem with the front burner concept, because I think the, like, I get what you're saying. How important is Dakota Joshua to the success of the team? And the answer is very, and I don't want to diminish that with the answer I'm about to give, but the concept of a front burner versus a back burner, like 
it means that you've got something that's like either more urgent, right, or, or higher priority on the front. Mm-hmm. And and given Pedersen and Hironic, right, there's just no way for Joshua to get off the back burner <laughs> right. right now, right? Like, and and that isn't a reflection on his value or his yeah. ability. It's just what the Canucks have in the air. At least um, at least the stove is on. You're on. You're on. You're on yeah. one of the. You're on one of the elements. He's yeah, he's he's definitely on an element. Um, <laughs> he's he, may, may, maybe just on the warmer. Right. Yeah, right. But, um, the, the bridge. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Look, you don't find guys with, you know, 10-goal, five-fight potential, um, right? And in Dakota Joshua's case, he'll, he'll probably have done that both of his years as a Canucks player. Um, he's got speed. He's really improved as a penalty killer. I mean, I, I think we're at the point where I'd call him Vancouver's best penalty-killing forward outside sure. of Lindholm. For sure. Um, and maybe even you know, better than Lindholm, frankly. Lindholm made a mistake on the PK the other day. Yeah, well, I mean, again, the second unit's been so punchless that, like, I'd love to see them try stuff. And, like, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Dakota Joshua, given the production we've seen from him, given the hands we've seen from him. Frankly, like, the only time we ever saw him get a real look on the power play was in San Jose uh, during Boudreaux's tenure and uh, that was the game where he should have had a hat trick, right? He had the one goal disallowed. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I'd see him at the net front, not, not on PP one, but I'd mm. see him on the net front on PP two, at least, uh, just to like, see what it looks like, especially given this team's sort of lack of forward, uh, options with size. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think he can do a lot. So yeah, he's been, uh, he's been a really interesting player and he's probably one big playoff moment away from signing the sort of contract on July 1, whether in Vancouver or elsewhere, that we all are like, wow, don't know about that, you know? And hey. <laughs> He's hoping that. so. Yeah. And, that's, hoping a, and so. that's a good place to be if you're an unrestricted free agent, right? Uh, Drancer, great stuff, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. It should be a good one. We'll do this again next week. Thanks, boys. Bye. Bye. Uh, Thomas Drantz from the Athletic Vancouver and Canuck Stock here on the Halford Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, Dakota Joshua's hands have. Like seemingly improved as the season has gone on. It's weird because you get older, usually they get worse. Maybe he's just right in that. Maybe, you know, a lot of it's confidence with yeah, stick handling. It's like the confidence to go out and make plays. But if, if you go look at his history as a hockey player, even dating back to his days at the Ohio State University, it's not like he was pumping 40 goals into the net. Like he's yeah. always been like, I'm a 15 goal scorer. That's what I kind of do. And now he's. You know, you wonder if you can you can reach twenty goals this season. We're talking about net front present on the power play, which I'm game to see that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Canucks approach that because you can see them wanting to keep him for sure, but you can also see them not wanting to overpay him. You know who I think deserves a look net front? Nils Hoaglander. Right. Yeah. I mean. It- I think he's not. The second unit is getting more opportunities now, and that's the coaching staff being yep. like, "Hey guys, uh, first unit, uh, love some of what we're what we're seeing, but uh, you know all those shorthanded goals that we're giving up. We saw the game. We don't. Chicago. We don't love that. I think it was a power play in the third period against Chicago where they started with the second unit. Yeah, and that I, I 
everyone noticed it right away. They're like, ooh. No, it wasn't the game in Chicago. It was the one where they – oh, it might have been. But, I think it was a Chicago game. But there was another one where they had given up the two shorthanded goals. That was Boston. Yeah, and yeah. then and then the second unit was the first one out. And Shorty even mentioned it. was like, I thought I might see this. And I was like, I thought I might see the Bluger line come over. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to do what we learned on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. I'm going to do mine now. Because of all the things that happened last night that we have adequately covered on the program, we did not mention that the Vancouver Whitecaps bowed out of the CONCACAF Champions Cup yesterday down in Mexico, lost to Tigres 3-0 to uh, prematurely end their participation in the tournament. Now, let's be clear here. This tournament was... The, the Whitecaps were probably never going to be long for this tournament. They were, they were playing, huge underdogs against Tigres. They were playing a way better... And that, of course, is elephant in Spanish. That's right. And elephant is a tiger. Right. None of that is true. Um... You all, you wanted to jump in so bad, didn't you, Ado? I just needed some clarification, but I figured it out. Have okay. you seen Kazam? Yeah. <laughs> I believe there was an elephant in Kazam. Anyway. Um, the, yeah. The, now, that being said, the Whitecaps did have opportunities here. Uh, they kind of blew it in that first leg in Vict- or Victoria. Sorry, Langford at Starlight Stadium when they had a 1-0 lead. And they really should have got out of that match with a 1-0 victory. But they gave up a free kick late, and then Gignac fired home. Um, I don't want to go too far down the road, but I think the keeper might have wanted it back. Anyway, um, bigger picture for the Caps. This tournament was really just part of the preseason. I don't think anyone expected them to get past one of the best teams in a very good Mexican league filled with players that had played in Europe, in the case of Gignac internationally for France. So what's the bigger picture here? Well, uh, last night late in the broadcast, the play-by-play guy for one soccer dropped the, not a nugget, but some interesting news. The the Canucks, the Whitecaps are honing in on 16,000 season tickets sold. I know having spoken with someone within the organization, they've already broken the Mm 15,000 threshold. And that's the Messi factor? This is the, and it's the biggest number. What if Messi doesn't play? (laughs) That's already causing like a... Could you like, imagine? Like China's up in arms. They've turned on Messi it's just Hong Kong, be- right? because of Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so here's what I know. Uh, within the organization, they're thrilled with the fact that they have the biggest season ticket base since the team joined MLS over a decade ago. The opener, which is still a few weeks away, March 2nd, against visiting Charlotte FC, already has 25,000 tickets sold. So that's essentially the lower bowl. Right. They've also opened the upper bowl for the first time for four separate regular season games, not just playoff games like they've Mm -hmm. done in the past, which includes the aforementioned Messi game, which is going to be in May, right at the end of May, if Messi does play. Uh, All this leads to... It's going to be tough against the Canucks run. Yeah, right? That's (laughs) Downtown's going to be a zoo, I tell you. Uh, so my what we learned is not just that the Whitecaps are now out of what really amounted to a couple extra preseason games, good preseason games, to be honest, in terms of getting ready for the regular season. But I'm expecting to see some pretty big crowds this year at BC Place, including for the opener on March 2nd. Moo cow me. We're going to go to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket on the other side. We're going to talk to Jag and to Laddie and to A-Dog and to Jason. Who knows who's got what we learned. That's why you're listening to the program. That's why you're going to keep it. On the dial. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.31 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. What we learned time from our side of the table. We're going to begin now. And it's a bit sad because this is Intern Jag's last day with the program. He's going out in style. His final What We Learned of the week. Intern Jag, it's been great having you here. I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but this is the most important thing in the history of this show is your final What We Learned. Ready? Yeah. Let's go. All right, so, you know, for perhaps my final what we learned. Uh, what we learned is that NBA officials still remain questionable. And I say this because last night's game, the Detroit Pistons faced off against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, and a lot of things happened during that game. A lot of things did happen, Jag. A lot of things did happen, that's correct. But the one thing that I want to particularly focus on is five minutes into the game, the Phoenix Suns were coming off of a, you know, a defensive possession and they had a foul there. As they were going to the timeout, Devin Booker, you know, he was complaining about the foul and the referee assessed him a technical. Yep, saw that. And then right after, as he was coming out of the timeout, he told his, he was pointing to his teammates and saying, my bad. The officials thought he was throwing a comment towards them, give him a second technical, throw him out of the game five minutes in. Yeah. And I have a problem with this. I don't have a problem with Booker being thrown out of the game because it's Detroit. And as we all know, the Pistons aren't doing too well this year. But, you know, it's Valentine's Day and a lot of families brought out their kids to come and see this game. This might be the only opportunity they get to come out to the game with uh, the kids this season, right? And you pay hundreds of dollars in a big market like Phoenix that has three superstar players such as Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker. You pay so much money to come and watch the game only for the one of the superstars to be thrown out five minutes into the game. And I've seen a lot of worse things happen in the NBA for which no technicals were assessed. But for the referee to throw Booker out just like that five minutes into the game, it's... I can't, Where's the love on Valentine's Day? No Where's love whatsoever. No love whatsoever. You I, also, I think we're gonna we're gonna book Jag for any Phoenix Suns updates that we I need. Love you, yeah. And I and I very much enjoy that. Uh, that was your takeaway from that game, and not the fact that uh, Detroit Pistons center Isaiah Stewart was arrested, arrested. for assault <laughs> for punching Phoenix Suns center Drew Eubanks at the arena hours before the team. He's gonna get to that. He was getting to that. No <laughs> love between Isaiah Stewart and Drew Eubanks either. Uh, I was desperately trying to find the Charles Barkley police presence drop. I got to call the police. But uh, that, yeah, that was a crazy game last night. There was a lot that happened in that game. There was so much that happened. Yeah. And, you know, before the game, you'd never think that something like that would happen before the game, especially since Isaiah Stewart wasn't even playing in the game yeah. as well. But the altercation, it happened, you know, and police got involved as they did. They arrested Stewart, you know, and then he was released. 
a few hours later, but I can definitely see some uh, discipline coming after that. Well, Jay, why, why, why was there a altercation? Um, words were being exchanged in yeah. the parking lot. Uh, it started in the parking lot. It started was it like, in a, was it like a parking issue or something? It, it, that was my I, spot? Or? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I got to find that out. I'm not sure why, actually. I kind of like to know. Stewart's a hothead. Stewart's the guy they got into with LeBron and went yes, crazy yeah, on yeah. him, right? Yeah, He has okay. that reputation. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you this, intern Jag. We never got more Phoenix Suns and Toronto Raptors, what we learned from an intern before. So kudos to you. The Thaddeus Young. The Thaddeus Young. We started with Thaddeus Young. Yeah. We went to Scotty Barnes. We didn't get Spicy P's return last night, but that's okay. Jag knows his market. That's right. Moo Cow. Uh, now, Bruff has not one, but two golf what we learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, take We're it away. with the hot topics here. Take it away. I actually just wanted to follow up on our conversation on the Waste Management Open because we did get some pushback uh, from a few people in the Dunbar Lumber text line when we said, like, they can't let that tournament just keep running out of control mm. like it has. And we were kind of like, yeah, this tournament used to be kind of fun and it looked like something that I'd want to attend. And now it looks like a complete gong show. Well, the civic organization that runs that tournament, it's called the Thunderbirds and they raise money for charity. Uh, the, it's in the Phoenix area. It's a cool name. Yeah, the Thunderbirds, right? Do you guys have planes? No. We have a golf tournament. They said, uh, I think you will see a complete operational change of how we manage really our Friday and Saturday, but the entire week, actually. Um, We're very proud of what we built. I think we've been tournament of the year on the PGA Tour five of the last seven years, but we don't like what happened on Saturday. The players don't like what happened on Saturday. Our fans don't like what happened on Saturday, and so nothing is off the table. And, of course, on Saturday what happened was they had to cut off alcohol sales because things were too out of control. So a lot of it was complicated by the fact that there had been some wet weather, which you don't really expect in the Phoenix area. And um, so a lot of the grassy areas where fans would normally be – um, they would even walk and they would travel along those grassy areas. Um, people were slipping and sliding all over the place. Some or of them it was intentionally. Muddy. Yeah, some of it intentionally, but also, you know, some of it, even if you weren't absolutely wasted, right. which a lot of them were, you wouldn't choose to go there. So the sidewalks became even more clogged, which created problems. You know, there were fights, there were brawls. There was just, it was it was a bad look. Like things went too far. So there will be changes to the waste management, and yes, everyone calls it the wasted management uh-huh. um, tournament. Yeah, I was gonna be now. like, are they gonna just shouldn't they just lean into it at this point? Like, just be like, just I think they lean embrace into it the already. chaos. I think they no. did lean into it, and this is the result <laughs> of leaning into it. The other thing I wanted to share in my move? what we learned. No, no, no. no. It's, oh, a, it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's, it's just a golf move. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just you can just move the golf. Uh, like a quiet move. Okay. Vern Lundquist, um, one of the most famous sports announcers um, in golf, specifically at the Masters, CBS Mainstay. Um, he did uh, college football, a lot of big SEC games. He retired from those a few years ago. Uh, March Madness, he would often do a lot of March Madness games. I think he's no longer doing those either. He will have his final call at the Masters this year. 
And Vern Lundquist has called a lot of big putts, especially at 16 at Augusta, but none bigger. Um, and actually, this wasn't a putt. Um, none bigger than this chip in from Tiger Woods back in 2005. Well, here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Have you seen anything like that? So that chip-in was famous for many reasons. Number one, it was a hell of a chip. Uh, number two, you remember that the golf ball paused right before it went in the hole for the Nike logo? It was unbelievable. Nike must have just been like, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. We're even, gonna Andy, be a, even Andy knows about it. Nike yeah. was like, we're going to be in the golf business forever, yeah, like forever, a- <laughs> forever, forever. And anyway, oh, they're out of the golf business now. Um, but what's funny about that tournament is like, so that gave Tiger like a two-stroke lead on 16. People forget that he bogeyed 17 and then 18 and then had to win the tournament over Chris DeMarco in a playoff. Chris DeMarco. That was, I was, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, is it Rocco Mediate? No, it was the other Italian, Chris DeMarco. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, Vern Lundquist, well, uh, 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 congratulations, I guess, to Vern. If, if, if you're listening, he's, he's not listening. He's not listening. He's not listening. Well, no. okay. I want to add just a, a brief amen, amen, amendment onto this. Thank you. I can't even talk. I'm not Vern Lundquist. Vern, we were talking Addendum? about- we were talking, uh, yeah. yeah, whatever. whatever. Either or. Um, Addition. But we were talking about professional broadcasters, which the last 30 seconds definitely confirmed I am not. Earlier in the show, we were talking about the Manning cast, and we were doing the research for the show last night, and I went back. Do you understand that Vern Lundquist is the most consummate sports broadcaster ever? So here's what he is called. The 1979 Super Bowl, most famously remembered for when Jackie Smith dropped a sure touchdown in the end zone, and then Vern came with a bless his heart. He's got to be the sickest man in America. So Super Bowl, 94 Olympics, he called the Tonya Harding free skate program, the one where she quit in 45 seconds in. So he goes from the Super Bowl to figure skating. At the Masters, he also called Jack Nicklaus's famous putt in 86, the yes, sir, that one, right? Mm-hmm. He has done the George Mason run at March Madness. He's done all the college football. It's amazing the amount of different sports that the guy has done. He like, did that Iron Bowl uh, game where it was the missed field goal that was returned for a touchdown. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, in 2013. Being able to jump from sport to sport like that must be it so is, difficult. It, it, it really incredible. is, right? Like, I know. Um, and oftentimes it's within a really tight time frame like the cbs guys would go from you know nfl playoff football right into march madness and then into the masters well joe buck does baseball football right, at the same yeah. time which can't be Doesn't easy kevin either. harlan do that jump around? yeah i think he jumps around a bit too kirk the unemployed cracker factory worker texts in Vern lundquist also called happy gilmore's winning putt that's true oh man oh, yeah, how yeah, did yeah. you not mention that yeah i know yeah. uh it was an the greatest of his calls. Really, it should have been on the top. A dog just woke up. Yeah, and uh, in I believe the- he was in Kazam as well. <laughs> and in- <laughs> and of course, what better way to celebrate Vern Lundquist broadcasting excellence than with a moo cow? Okay, fire up the dot matrix. 
What We Learn Humanoid Edition brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh my God, we're having a fire plan. I know it's humanoid time, but I've got two ones that just sort of happened. The first is breaking news from the world of football. Uh, Kylian Mbappe has officially told Paris Saint-Germain that he's done. This this is That's the last soccer. year of his contract. That this That's year he will become if for for hockey parlance. He's becoming an unrestricted free agent. Okay. Everyone, he's going UFA. Who will PSG have left after this? They will have who do they have, and who will they have left? Well, Neymar is hurt. He tore up his knee. Okay, right. Mbappe is leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won yesterday, actually. Oh, good for them. Yeah, it's good. So they'll still have. Uh, Dembele, Dembele, Barcola, who scored yesterday, uh, Muani. They've still got some very talented and very noteworthy players, but the superstar aspect is like slowly dwindling away. So Mbappe's going to finish out the year. They won Champions League yesterday, two 0 like, Neymar's not on the team. He plays in Saudi Arabia, doesn't he? Yeah, but he. I mean, he's gone, and it, well, yeah, he, yeah, but yeah. he's gone from football now because his knees all. Right, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That, that, that's what you meant. Yeah, okay. sorry. Um, so. The leading candidate to acquire Mbappe's services is Real Madrid. There's been this long fascination that with uh, he's always loved Real, and Real is obviously one of the few clubs that could probably get the wage ticket mm-hmm. and has the clout internationally. Uh, I am almost certain that they there will be overtures from the Saudis to try and get Mbappe right. to go there. But at this stage of the game, it was confirmed. I'm just reading this he's a short while ago. He's too young to go over there. Is anyone too young for that kind of money? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's the Mbappe news. Also, I do want to do one real quick. Uh, Wyshynski was on the show yesterday, right? And he had uh, ESPN's positional rankings where they ask current players and general managers to do a vote. Yesterday, they did the defenseman. Quinn Hughes came in at number two. Today, they're doing the goalies. What up, Thatcher Demko? Coming in as the third best goalie in the NHL. Behind Connor Halibut at number one. And... Uh, What's his name? The goalie from Tampa Bay. It's eluding me at the Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky at number two. Uh, How quickly we forget. That guy. Oh. There's a bunch of Russians on the list. Shesterkin made it. Sorokin made it. The most notable. Is Shesterkin am- back now? He's had, what, two good games in a row? Shesty is back, baby. He had a yeah. shutout last game. Um, not making the top ten. Former Vancouver Canucks goalie and current Calgary Flames goalie, Jacob Markstrom omitted from the top 10. Mm-hmm. So you can go check that out. It's at ESPN.com. Okay, let's get to the flagged ones. No, Saros is absurd. By the way. Saros is I seven I know he's having a list. bad year. Saros is seven on the list. But not in the top three. Is Even if he's having a bad year, I, I don't see that. Uh, Corey the Carpenter, what we learned, Rutherford likes to make his deal so much earlier than the trade deadline that he did it in the offseason, and then it's hashtag the third line. Well, the only member of the third line that he brought in was Teddy Bluger, who was a heck of a signing. And we're all now like, wow, I wish he had one more year left. <laughs> you know, like, um, but Dakota Joshua was signed two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only just now paying attention to it and going, wow, I wish he got three years. <laughs> you should have signed him long term <laughs> right off the hop. Um, here, I want to read a couple of these. Okay. Okay, because they're about you. Oh. And I love, I know, I know you love uh, things about you. Okay. What we learned, what I learned is that Halford sounds unrecognizable on national radio. I was listening to the Kipper show last night, and I didn't even know it was him until he said his name. Oh. Justin and Ease fan, what we learned, what we learned is that Mike did another hit on the Kipper and Bourne show yesterday. Will Laddie and Adog produce a Halford jingle? 
before Mike's next hit on Toronto radio. That would actually be a real- to make us do more work? That would be an awesome power move. It would be like, by the way, I come with uh, my own jingle. <laughs> my own theme I'll, music. I'll send it over to you and you have to play it. So, <laughs> spe- yeah, when I started the hit- Hi, Calford. For what, some- did, what did you guys talk about? Uh, Kessel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindholm. Did you talk about the third line? Did you bring up the third line? You brought up the third line. I thought you when I was on the show, them. I was like, guys, I don't care about your question. I want to talk about these this third line that the Canucks have. I called it the third line. Right. Work yeah, on yeah. brand. Howard's like, I'm asking the question is why are the Leafs so soft? Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did not talk about Moreland Riley or Morgan Riley or Ridley Grieg. I, they canned you last week though. I thought you were done with that. That was a that couple was weeks a, ago. You've you've turned over a new leaf. Do you change your voice for it or something? Like, or I don't call know. Call yourself Michael or what's the deal? Bruff thinks it's because maybe I was calling in and it was the yeah, phone. You're on the phone yeah so maybe it's that's different. it um mm-hmm. i was also in bed <laughs> <laughs> like a consummate professional. too much info so there's that i woke up for the hit were you in bed i like to pace around when i'm doing those i had, calls. A, quick, I had, a, I had a nappy poo in the afternoon i set yeah, my yeah. alarm and i got up and they were like how's it going i'm like good were you guys also napping before this they yeah. like to do it on zoom too and i'm always like yeah there was no zoom was, yeah, <laughs> I ruled that out real. I'm quick. wearing a towel. Yeah. Our producer is telling me we will not be doing Zoom with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, well, you know the other thing that was strange was uh, right before I came on, they they they're like us. They go on just random tangents at all times. Yeah. So Kipper was floating the idea. I really like their show. I know yeah, people will be like, it's out of Toronto. I'm like, I, I listen to it all the time in the afternoon. It's, it's really got a good funny. vibe. It's yeah, got yeah, a good yeah. vibe. So they, and then I turn then I turn off the radio because anything after that, ugh. Do we even have local programming? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> we got on the subject. Kipper was floating the idea of ab- <laughs> abolishing secondary assists. Mm, yeah, it's too late. It's too I late know. to do that. So then, and I think it was the producer said, oh, yeah, I think they abolished secondary assists in the KHL. So I was waiting on hold, so I checked my phone, mm-hmm. I looked and Googled it. And then I came on and inadvertently, like, sewered the poor producer. I'm like, I can, I see no reference whatsoever to the KHL getting rid of secondary assists. Like, I think you just made that up. And the producer was like, I'm sorry. Do you know a guy in my dressing room the other day asked, this guy is a pretty good hockey player. Okay. He asked, do you get the same point totals for second assists that you do for first? Would you think you get a half point? And we were all like, do you, you're, you're pretty good at the. Do you follow hockey? That's bizarre. That's yeah. a bizarre. Imagine, imagine being that you're an incredible at the sport, but you just do not care about it. Don't watch like, any games. Like I wanted, about I wanted it. to. I, I wanted to be like, you know, no, you get three points for a goal, two for a first assist, and one for a second yeah. assist. Like Makes everyone sense. knows that. Does the NHL have more than three periods, or is it like what we do? This was also the same guy, by the way, that brought uh, a very heavy ale as the post game nice. uh, beer. He's like really out of touch. He's really out of touch. No, that's awesome. Yeah. What are you talking about? I hope you told Kipper, you don't need to take out the secondary assist. You just need to look at primary assist. That's what all the good stat heads do. I suggest right? that we yeah. had a, I suggest we had a tertiary exist. Yeah, well, there you go. Imagine yeah, if we went back on and looked at all the like Gretzky's point totals and we were like, wow, like 80% of assists were secondary assists. I know. Assists. Well, okay. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> on the subject of relitigating the past. And it turned was, out it was, it was Yerry Curry who was making everything happen. I was, I was going to say, uh, we, the great decider for who was the better Sedine should be who got the more primary as opposed to secondary assists. Someone will have to go back and do the work on that one. Uh, here's what we learned from Marty the Red. Hashtag WWO what we learned. Sean Couturier was named Philly's captain yesterday. Yes, he was, Marty. Marty then writes, and based on Twitter comments, he may have to apologize to Travis Konechny, who most feel deserved it more. Yeah, it was funny. So when they announced this, they did a 15-second video 
of a Flyers jersey, no words, just music, and then a C on it. And that was supposed to be the big pre-unveil because Philly hasn't had a captain for two the years. Tease. Right, since uh, Claude Giroux was traded. So they get, there was too much time elapsed between that tease and the announcement. And like everyone was like, oh, right on. Travis Konechny is going to be named the new captain. And then Philly sent out its press release. And they're like, congratulations to Sean Couturier. And like there was like beat writers. Mm-hmm. And I think Charlie O'Connor even put it out there, if I'm not mistaken, saying that they all thought that Konechny was the guy. It just made the most sense. Have they extended Konechny yet? I know there's talks, but... Yeah, I think he's he's just had such a good season, and, and people really like him, and he's younger. Like, Couturier's 31. It's going to break Mike and West Kelowna's heart when the Flyers actually get that extension done. Is he the guy that... He really wants Konechny on the Canucks. Yeah, every now and again, people have their, their passion projects. That's a very generous term for what some of you uh, go with in the in the end basket, but they just keep texting the same thing over and over again. Well, I don't like reading this. Kipper and Bourne definitely reacted to Halford better than when Bruff was on. Sounded like they liked him more. Really? I didn't get that vibe. Fight. They, they did compliment Fight. you a lot Fight. more. They did? I don't know. I'm just making it up. <laughs> trying to stir dissent. Bruff was boring. I would disagree with that. Really? Like, they were fine. Like, we had a good time and everything. But it's not like they actively disliked you, like I do. Um, well, they guess, don't guess who won't be going on Kipper and Bourne anymore. <laughs> you know what you should do? Winnipeg Radio. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Here Winnipeg Radio is great. You've left your post with Winnipeg Radio. Yeah. Rough turn to step in. Uh, <laughs> someone just texted in, drinking a coffee porter immediately post-game. Hell yeah. yeah. My man. Um, I've, I've, we've had that problem once, and I'll stress once, where someone brought an inappropriate beer. To a to a match, and, mm-hmm. and then you got it because when when there's no other beers, yeah, you got to drink it. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to. I didn't drink it. I, I protested. Oh, yeah, yeah. Someone I was, br- I was like Gandhi in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will not do it. A lot of people made the comparison. That's right. Um, I've we had a really really hoppy IPA earlier this season. Mm. Nice, really bitter. You know the ones that I'm talking oh, yeah. about, and it was you could see collectively. For the first 10 minutes, no one wanted to say anything, but everyone had the sour beer face. Like, Yeah, but the guy was like probably a, like a beer aficionado, like A-Dog, he's, and he's like, the guys are going to love this. This has eight different kinds of hops in it. My yeah. palate is on fire. It's, no one needs been floral, running around yeah. for an hour and a half. No one needs floral notes right now, okay? We don't need it. Uh, Mike, the urologist from Brockville, what we learned, Pittsburgh is stuck in quicksand. They're going down. What'd you say? <laughs> Pittsburgh is stuck in quicksand. <laughs> In Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did I get lightheaded? <laughs> Whatever. Pittsburgh. That should be its nickname. <laughs> Pittsburgh is stuck in quicksand. They're going down in the piss, I guess. They're going down as Crosby's career winds down. I really think Crosby should go to another team to make the last few years of his career relevant. <laughs> Good on you for powering through that, buddy. I didn't even recognize <laughs> I said it. It takes a lot of That power. was actually its original name, then they had to change it. <laughs> if, they <laughs> the, a marketing problem. if they missed the playoffs, we I'm, call them Pittsburgh for the rest of the year. I'm sure I will hear that in the intro tomorrow. <laughs> you definitely will. For now, though, we got to say goodbye. It's been a fun show. Intern Jag, happy trails, my man. <laughs> Signing off. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Why Brown. are you so pissy, Pittsburgh? <laughs> he's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie, and he's been Intern Jag. This has been the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. <laughs>